Are you ready to learn? Because my super experienced guests are ready to share some really valuable information. Make sure and listen all the way to the end to get help and support. So let's start with the best audio experience. Hello, guys. Welcome to our show. Today we discuss about customers, how you can create your stream and get new customers on board. I'm so excited to discuss this topic with Jessica. How are you? I'm doing great. How are you? Uh, I'm doing awesome. You know, it's raining, but when you're at home, you know, I like to watch uh, on the window, you know, because, yeah, it's it's good feeling that you are not outside. <laughs> okay, yeah. before we start, just tell more about your self-experience background and why you decided to share with us about customers. Yeah, so I've been in organic content marketing my whole career, so more than a decade. And that means I've done everything from content strategy, blog writing, editing to social media management, email marketing. And um, what I really love doing is SEO content creation and SEO strategy, because, you know, we say creating a new stream of customers. It's this, this one piece that a lot of companies don't necessarily want to invest in because it doesn't give immediate results like ads. And I think Paid advertising is great and it's incredibly powerful and important, but organic content marketing, which is what I'm talking about. So creating, you know, SEO optimized content for your website. That is what drives your results long after you've turned the paid ads tap off. And it's also what gets you in front of your customers. So for example, I um, work mostly with mental wellness brands. And in 2021 and 2022, Google has seen all-time high searches of things like healing, mental health, mental health apps. People are looking for, in this case, specifically what these companies have to offer without necessarily looking for their specific offering. And so by creating this content, this SEO-based content, you're getting in front of those people who don't know they need you yet. But when they see what you have to offer, they're going to be like, oh, wow, like I would love to use an app like that or I would love a service like that. So that's how we use organic content, SEO-based content, um, to get in front of these people and create that new stream of customers that there may be some resistance because it doesn't give those immediate results, but organic gives long-term results. So like everyone should have started yesterday because it's going to keep feeding and getting better and better and keep driving people to your site. <laughs> Love it. You know why? Because uh, your experience uh, is related with my pain points, my uh, audience pain points, my customers pain points, because I know how it's hard. And uh, you mentioned about immediate results. For me, I don't know how to get quick results. Uh, it's uh, po possible, everything, but I'm not sure that uh, you need to chase quick results. It's better to have long uh, plan strategy. Uh, and you mentioned about uh, creating strategy. Can you tell how to find and create the right strategy? The reason why I'm asking about that, because I see when masters open tools like HRF, SEMrush, most many others, and they find high volume keywords, can see, wow, a lot of volume, I need them. But, you know, they don't consider many other factors that uh, they are not alone. We have competition. We have many other content creators. And uh, sometimes uh, traffic is not related to sales funnel. For example, even mm -hmm. if I get SEO in the top 10 results, it doesn't mean that I can sell with this keyword because uh, it's not related to my sales funnel. Uh, it's more related to tools, to educational content. 
can you tell how to create the right strategy today? Yeah, I love that question. It's so important because we're not creating content just to create it, right? That's the end goal. The end goal is to get people into your funnel. So you want to start very like at the foundation of, yes, we want to create educational content, but let's be hyper, hyper specific to our audience. So for example, an app that helps people with anxiety, they might think like, okay, we help millennials with anxiety, but actually they're actual target audience is like single millennials living in the city um, who have a dog. I'm just, that's probably not it, but you know what I mean? You're getting a lot more specific. So your content is speaking directly to the person who you know for sure is going to see your app and be like, I need that. So foundationally, you're creating very niche specific content rather than just trying to do like a spray and pray strategy where you're just like throwing a bunch of content out there. Um, and then the second piece is when you're creating your content, thinking about how you can naturally relate back to your offering within the content. So it's not like this pushy sales content, but it's like, you know, your life could be easier if you had like an app that you could refer to three times throughout the day. And this would help you stay on track and hold you accountable like, by the way, that's our app was actually built to do that type of thing. So you're easily you're able to naturally, you know, bring it into the content. And then the final piece is figuring out how you can more overtly get your product in front of those people. So whether that's like I find the best option is actually which people think is obnoxious, but it works like a full page um, pop up or like something that comes up that says like with a testimonial and then a link to go check out the service or the offering or whatever. Um, so you're putting your offering right in front of people when they land on the page. Or more ideally, you're not giving them your direct hard sell, but you're giving them like a soft sell, like a, a free download to get them into your email funnel where you're then going to more hard sell to them um, throughout their you know experience. Uh I'm curious about, uh, you mentioned about, yeah, of course, uh, we need to create high quality content. But, you know, uh, I see uh, when webmasters usually uh, struggle to find the right copywriters. Many of them, for example, uh, from my experience, they usually pay attention to create awesome products and they have no time to write. Some of them don't like writing. So, uh, but, you know, uh, I think writing uh, and text are foundation of any content. So uh, without... Uh, uh, sharing value without high quality uh, text, you can't uh, get uh, high quality content as well because design can't save uh, bad uh, context. Uh, can you tell how to find writers? Because, you know, for example, 10 years ago, I had a team of copywriters. They wrote about anything. Google ranked all my websites, you know, uh, and we created only e-commerce content for any uh, user intent, and that worked well. Today, it's not. Uh, we change, of course, uh, after Google updates many times, this attitude, but uh, we still have the struggle to find responsible writers. It's not like to go to Upwork or uh, Fiverr or any other websites to find writers with good rating. Uh, I tried many times and failed many times as well because, you know, they have these ratings, uh, but uh, they usually write about anything. Uh, and today Google wants uh, to get expertise. Can you tell from your experience how to find writers who can create high quality, valuable context? Yeah, absolutely. I think it's, it's in, honestly, it's more important to have a good editor who understands yeah. <laughs> the SEO and the strategy, because you can have 
a crappy writer and that editor can turn that content around. Not that you want that experience, but a good editor that knows how to write and format and has an understanding of SEO is really what you want. So I would spend the more money on like, let's say someone who's more high level, even if they're just contract who can then manage writers. But then in terms of finding good writers, your network is always an incredibly valuable resource of writers that you might not tap into. Even emailing or like messaging writers through LinkedIn that you see on publications that you really like um, and they're writing consistently about the type of content that you, you know, you can tell they have like a clear understanding of the topic. You know, a lot of a lot of writers these days are just doing freelance content. So they're taking on lots of clients. And if you can find someone in your niche and you really love their work, uh, every writer wants someone to reach out to them and ask them to work for them. So uh, that's another option, too, if you're looking to go the more contract route, which I don't think you I don't feel you need to hire in house to be able to get a good writer. I think you can do that through, you know, contract and freelancers. And the other option mm -hmm. is to work like with an agency like mine where I manage all of that. So you're just getting a really great piece of content on the other end and you don't have to worry about editing it. You don't have to worry about the strategy. You don't have to worry about finding the writers like you do what you do best. And then you let me and my team deal with those details. Nice. Love it. Yeah. By the way, uh, uh, I cooperate with many editors as well because I know without editing, it's hard to uh, create awesome content because they can simplify user experience to uh, yeah, and some, sometimes even it's good when editors are not familiar with a specific niche because if they don't understand nobody can understand this content so when editors uh, reply for example when we create content about crypto or forex many editors don't know anything about that but right. when uh, they ask a lot of questions what's going on can you reply can you tell what does it mean so the, that's part of the process to create content that everyone can understand. Mm -hmm. uh, can you tell, you mentioned about your team, can you tell uh, your unique selling proposition? Because I think all companies have their unique selling proposition, strong sides, uh, and you mentioned that you can take away these uh, pain points, you know, to create this content, uh, to take uh, all this responsibility. Uh, share about your unique selling proposition compared to other agencies. Yeah. So I think something that really sets my agency apart is that we just do content. We do some social mm -hmm. media management, but our focus is really, really great SEO content and specifically for female founded mental wellness brands. So uh, traditionally, I've worked with lots of different industries, lots of different types of companies, but I'm really honing in there. And I'll tell you why. One, because that's what I know really well. This is also what I'm really passionate about. So not only do I create really good content, I know my SEO strategy works. I've used it with many, many, many clients. Um, but the passion that comes into the work, so it's not just like a broad agency with 15 people on your team and they don't really care about your industry. They're just there doing the work. I'm here doing it because my goal is to help you amplify your impact and reach people who really need what you need because I have needed many mental wellness apps and services and offerings and they've made my life better and so now my goal is to then turn that around and help these companies reach more people who need what they have to offer so i think the passion and the fact that you're just dealing with me you know i'm i'm what you might call a boutique agency um i have people that work for me but you're always working one-on-one -on -one with just me and i think the specialization is something we don't see a lot in the digital space i feel like a lot of agencies do everything and i've never wanted to do that i've always wanted to really stay in my lane and master that and i feel like i have 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, nice, love it. Okay, uh, you mentioned about uh, uh, mental uh, wellness. Uh, can you tell more about it? For example, you know, I think uh, health industry is related uh, more to EAT, expertise, authority, trust. You know, when Google pays attention to your real expertise, and if you have this expertise, Google can rank higher your content because uh, I'm working in similar niche, like uh, not similar, <laughs> but uh, in finance niche uh, that uh, yeah is important to have this trust as well because it impacts uh, people, uh, stability, uh, mental issue, many other stuff. So uh, can you tell uh, how it's important uh, to cooperate with uh, experienced writers? Uh, for example, you mentioned that your uh, customers cooperate with you, but if you uh, share the task to others, uh, they need to have this experience. Uh, can you tell how it's important to cooperate with the best in your industry who can create awesome text? Yeah. I mean, it, it really depends. A lot of my clients, we do ghostwriting. So we mm-hmm. write the content for them and then we have a really collaborative editing experience. So it feels like their voice and then it's published, you know, under the name of the founder or the CEO or someone who does have that authority in the space. Um, but if you're working with a lot of guest authors and stuff like that, um, I think it's even even beyond Google, which, yes, you want to have people, you know, authoritative people, you know, you don't want their bio to just be like rights about food and, you know, mental health, you know, you want them to have some sort of background, but beyond Google, you want that for your readers. Like when I'm looking at something, especially in the wellness space or the mental, mental health space, I want to see that the person who wrote it, like has letters after their name or runs a business that's relevant to this. Like I want to see that they have experience and that builds trust with me, which then in turn, helps build trust with your brand, which then makes me more likely to be a customer. So I think you want to think beyond that. And then again, like finding those people is like what we talked about, you know, like, are there people writing in your industry that you think are doing really cool things that you can reach out to and see if they'd be interested in writing for you? Um, And people in your network, you know, I'm sure your LinkedIn is filled with a lot more people than you think that, you know, might be good, might be interested in getting the brand impressions or creating some content that's going to, you know, help boost their thought leadership. Mm-hmm. Yeah, nice. Uh, okay, can you tell how to learn uh, users or customers or people who will consume your content? Because you, you mentioned about this uh, wellness industry, so you need to understand uh, uh, people who will uh, consume this content. And, you know, it's more important how to submit the right call to action. For example, um, I have a client who uh, got like uh, 400,000 uh, traffic per month, but he couldn't convert this traffic because uh, of avoiding uh, the right call to action. Yeah, he, he has this traffic, but he can't convert and monetize. Can you tell how to learn uh, more about users who will consume your content and uh, how to submit the right call to action to lead them uh, to the product page? Yeah, it's, I mean, it's really industry dependent and very, very brand dependent. So like my first question to him would be like, who are you writing for? And are you actually writing for them? You know, who, Mm -hmm. who is your ideal customer? And are you actually creating content or are you just creating broader content? And so no one's converting because you're not actually talking to one person. You're talking to a thousand people. Um, And then the other thing I would say is like, you just have to be like the motto of every marketer, as you know, is always be testing. So I don't think there's one perfect way to create a great call to action or to funnel people into the product or into your, let's say your email funnel. Um, It's, you just have to be willing to test different 
different scenarios. So whether that's like, you know, a pop-up um, sort of opt-in offer or it's something in the text or it's a form at the bottom of the text, something, you know, flashing at the top of the page and then knowing where your visitors are coming from. If they're all coming from mobile, is your offer, does your offer, can they read it on mobile? Is it obnoxious on mobile? Does it work there? Um, so it's so many different pieces that, again, as you know, that play into actually making that conversion happen. Mm -hmm. Okay. Uh, let's talk about, um, you know, uh, for example, uh, you, uh, we discussed that we, it's better to create content for people, for uh, consumers. But what about Google? How to optimize for Google? For example, if you write uh, really high quality, valuable content, uh, useful content, but uh, how to optimize that Google understands? Because uh, I have seen many times when uh, great content, uh, valuable content can't get ranking positions because uh, they ignore uh, basic of SEO. For me, it's more important you know, to create for a human and then optimize for uh, SEO for Google. Can you tell from your experience how to do it? Yeah, I feel like I really take a um, bring the create for a human and the optimize for Google. I really look at them synonymously, honest, honestly, because I don't like to optimize post idea. So I like to say, okay, here's our idea. This is what we want to talk about, what's important. Now let's go keyword research. Let's find the best keyword with high search volume and low difficulty that really truly reflects this topic as best as possible. And if we can't find one that reflects this topic, we may need to reconsider the topic because obviously people aren't actually searching for it or, or too many people are competing for it. And so we need to think, how can we get more niche? Because there's no, we're not going to compete with all these people. We're never going to get there. So maybe we need to get more specific. Um, and then it's about taking that keyword, putting it in the right places, um, and then optimizing the content specifically for, um, for, search. So like formatting it with your H2s and H3s, um, getting links in there, high quality external links, relevant internal links, um, just following those sort of SEO best practices that actually aren't all that complicated and really anyone can do if you know what it is. But for me, the foundation is always keywords. Um, mm -hmm. And I know I think some people think that's outdated, but it, it works for myself and my clients and we create really great content around that. So it's what I rely on and stick to. Nice, nice. Yeah. Um, by the way, I usually use uh, keyword research because I need to find content ideas. Yeah. Uh, I need to measure mm -hmm. uh, uh, potential traffic, uh, volume, what we can get with these keywords, the competition. So, uh, yeah. Uh, anyway, you can use keyword research, even if it's obsolete, you can uh, find ideas. The second yeah. thing, you know, when people uh, type on Google any keyword, uh, they scan the top 10 results. If they can see your keywords, <laughs> I'm not sure they will click to your content. So, uh, okay. but if you set up keywords in your title and description, uh, you can increase the chance of CTR. So you can get much higher CTR and get more traffic and Google can understand much better uh, yep. about content. It depends. Of course, it depends, but I, I like, uh, like, uh, no, I like old school that you need to use keyword in the first uh, hundred words because yep. uh, many users usually scan content and we know that bounce uh, like 80% 
after the first paragraph, people can uh, <laughs> leave content for a few seconds. So when they see your keyword in the first uh, uh, words, like in the first hundred words, so yeah, it's a big reason uh, to retain them. Yeah, love it. Uh, we have the question about uh, so hard question. No, can you reply to this question? <laughs> yeah, sure. So I think the so yes, you've created the content. Your question sort of then goes to the next piece, which is what are you doing with the content once you create it? And a big piece of that is getting in front of your subscribers. If you have past customers, you have a list of past customers, are you talking to them? Are you connecting with them? Are you staying top of mind for them? This fresh content is a great way to do that. So, you know, the absolute bare minimum is like a monthly newsletter of some sort where you share this new content that shows your expertise, your thought leadership, um, probably also solves a problem for them and it keeps you top of mind for them. So they don't forget who you are and what you do. And if you're a type of company that repeat business is something relevant for you, then ideally you're driving repeat business as well. Mm -hmm. Yeah, love it. Okay, uh, you mentioned that you uh, pay more attention to create content uh, and um, uh... I cooperated with a few, com few companies and uh, they uh, don't provide any link building and get uh, good traffic, like uh, over a million uh, people a month, a lot. And uh, I asked them how you can ignore link building. And uh, they replied to me, because we can create the best possible content. They cooperate with the best writers and create the best content, links worthy content, so they can uh, earn links naturally because of high mm -hmm. quality of content. Uh, can you tell about this thing, how to create content that deserves links when you don't need to provide any link building, just uh, give a strong reason to bloggers, journalists, uh, or uh, for sharing on social media, uh, give a reason, you know, to share this content? Yeah, I think one of the best options for that is developing proprietary data, whether that is through like if you have like, let's say a CRM platform and you pull like aggregate data out of that. So you can sort of give like, you know, for example, like Buffer and Later and all these companies, they do like their annual reports. And that's a lot of it is through the data that they have through their products. But you can also run surveys through like, you know, Google surveys or SurveyMonkey and get, you know, a thousand to two thousand respondents um, and then put together a report and put that out there and then really push it out. You know, make sure you have a good promotion strategy for it. Because what people are really looking for when we're talking about like natural links, people are looking for new things um, and especially like database stuff in terms of journalists. That's what tends to get picked up the most. So um, that's my usually my top recommendation for driving those natural links um, mm -hmm. to mm -hmm. your content on your website. Uh, I have some tricky question. Uh, sorry for that. <laughs> but uh, uh, for example, uh, when I check out weight loss supplements industry, uh, I often see when uh, many websites share information about some pills, shakes that can help, you know, to lose weight 10 kilograms for, for a month, you know, something like this. Uh, and, uh, you know, um, when I check out uh, this content, I can see everything we need to do just to drink these pills. And that's it, you know, but uh, I'm not sure it can help you know of course it's better to uh, i don't know like to train hard to uh, uh to rest you know to eat healthy food uh can you tell more about uh, this industry uh, wellness uh, uh for example uh, uh do you have such issue when uh, other websites can mislead people 
to the wrong direction because of selling some uh, stuff, you know, uh, because uh, I think um, in the end we want to sell, yeah, we want to get uh, sales. But uh, sometimes uh, many webmasters can do for the sake of money, so uh, they can mislead to other products where they can get better revenue than uh, better tips, you know, because uh, of revenue. What do you think about misleading in your industry and how do you usually uh, I don't know, create content considering to help as maximum as possible? Yeah, great question. And I don't, I don't really work with companies that are like selling supplements and stuff like that. And I would not work with a company if I saw they were doing that. Um, first and foremost, I do actually believe so specifically in the mental wellness space that there has been a lot of transparency and, um, or creating content around connecting and knowing that that storytelling and that connecting is actually going to drive conversions rather than this sort of like hard sell of like, you know, lose 10 pounds in a month. I think we're so jaded on that type of marketing and there's so much understanding now in the wellness industry that like, that's just not realistic. And of course, some people are still going to fall for that. And companies like that will always exist forever. But I think we're really starting to see a, a shift in the industry where people are really over that. And so they're looking for companies with substance that stand for something that have values and that want to connect. And those are the kind of companies I want to be working with anyway. So um, I think we're seeing less and less of that. And people are willing to put up with it less and less. Yeah, love it, love it. Yeah, awesome. Uh, I have the question about uh, common mistakes uh, that webmasters uh, do, you know, from your experience. What common mistakes you can see and uh, how to elaborate or avoid them from your experience? Well, if we're talking specifically about content marketing and content creation, yeah. I think the biggest mistake I see is people doing it without a strategy. Um, mm -hmm. First and foremost, just creating it to check a box or being on social media just to check a box. Um, being everywhere on social media, thinking you need to be on every platform. And then when you spread yourself so thin, you're not actually active or engaged on any of those platforms, which yeah. doesn't actually benefit your brand at all. So less is more is very much my my strategy around that. And then actually creating good content. A lot of people put content out there thinking like, oh, blogs are dead. Oh, people only want to read 400 words. But that's just not the truth. The data consistently shows that content that ranks higher in Google and that gets people to share is actually really long, more in-depth content. People are looking for substance. So I see people not creating content with a strategy, You know, not creating content that's long enough or thorough enough and trying to be everything to everyone. That's kind of come up a couple times here, like creating content that's just too broad. Like you're never going to get people to convert if you're not attracting the right people. And that starts with knowing who you're attracting and really creating content that speaks very, you know, very specifically to them. Uh, you remind me of my mistakes, you know, <laughs> because I remember when I decided to grow, uh, to create brand awareness on uh, all social media. I tried Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, LinkedIn, TikTok, uh, many others. And, you know, I got like five followers a day, uh, a few hundred views, not more. Then I decided to switch all my attention to LinkedIn 
because mm-hmm. I understand that Jack of all trades, master of none. I can't engage with all these platforms, especially if you have limited resources, as I have like two hands. That's it, you know. Yep. <laughs> so yeah. But after that, I got like two hundred followers a day, uh, ten thousand views because of uh, engaging with others. Not only about creating content engaging building relationships so you can go ahead uh, but uh, when you are going it's the same uh, by the way about blogging when you know webmasters ask me how many uh, blogs post a month i don't mm-hmm. know you know it depends on quality as you mentioned less but quality uh, can you tell uh, for example um, if i have um, my uh, strategy i have uh, a lot of pieces of content how to choose priorities uh, especially when we have limited resources we can't create a lot of great articles but uh, we need to choose something uh, that will provide better results i i always recommend at least two pieces a month to really see any sort of organic growth my ideal for a client really for any client is, is four pieces a month. I find that can provide growth at a really steady rate um, without being so much that it's unmanageable. Uh, data and reports show, you know, the more content, more optimized content a month you can create, um, you know, you can get more and more SEO value. But for, you know, a, a mental wellness brand, say like, um, you know, a mental wellness app, like it's not necessary for them to be creating 10 pieces of content a month. Like it's just, it's just an inordinate amount of content creation. So four pieces a month I find is like a really a good spot. That's reasonable, gets them lots of fresh content. um, And it's also actually gets us where we want to go in terms of growth. Yeah. Love it. Yeah. I agree with you, especially about the word management, you know? (laughs) So yeah, when you have, uh, I have this issue with one client, uh, you know, uh, he created a lot of great content uh, many years ago and today it's obsolete. (laughs) It's hard to update all this content, to manage all this content, to rewrite, to provide new design, to analyze, even just, uh, when we know that it's obsolete, it takes time to rewrite all this content. So yeah, I, I love about management. Uh, okay, I have the question. Uh, for example, let's imagine you have no experience, skills, anything. You started from scratch. What will you do to learn more about uh, blogging and SEO today? To learn more about it. Um, YouTube is a great place. Uh, and I would really start by understanding the basics of how to optimize content and then do it right. Like get, get it right. Like do one piece, but do it right. And, um, I, I like the tool Ahrefs. There's so many SEO tools out there. Ahrefs, A-H-R-E-F-S is my favorite. Um, so like pick a tool like Ahrefs that you're going to use for keyword research and then maybe check out, they have tons of great educational content on like how to choose keywords, how to implement them. Um, and then just start with one piece and like, make sure you understand the process, do it right, get it published and then work your way up to, you know, adding more into the queue as, as is possible. And really SEO truly isn't, it can be extremely tactical and complicated, but you know, on page SEO, what we're talking about here is not really complicated. And if you're on WordPress, a tool, um, a plugin like Yoast SEO is really valuable as well. Cause you can plug in your keyword and then it tells you, um, how well optimized your content is for that keyword. So that's another really good um, tool to have on board if you're new and you don't know really, 
you need suggestions for making sure your content is as optimized as it should be. Uh, you know, you mentioned about Yoast, uh, and it's interesting that I had a conversation today with uh, a web developer of Yoast, Jonah Alderson. You know, he shared a lot of insights about Yoast. Yeah. Uh, and yeah, uh, HRF uh, uh, sponsored some of my podcasts. You know, I nice. love this tool as well. So yeah, uh, you mentioned two great tools. Uh, can you forecast the future? I'm interested about the future because many things are coming like uh, metaverse, uh, virtual reality. What do you think? What kind of future will be? Because we still get the question, is SEO dead? Uh, do we need to consider SEO? Because, for example, if uh, metaverse uh, will come and nobody is interested about SEO or blogging, what do you think? Is it possible or not? I mean, I think there's always going to be some version of that. People are always... Going to, Google isn't just going to like poof and not exist. There's going to be search engines. People are going to be looking for information, for content. It's a matter of how they're searching for it and then how you make sure your content gets in front of them. It's The SEO world has been evolving for... I can remember when I first started writing SEO content, I was manually having to calculate keyword density like and how far we've come in you know the last decade from that and thinking about, you know, there's been a lot of talk like in the last five years about um, voice search and like how do you make sure your content comes up when people are voice searching through, you know, tools like, um, you know, talking to Siri on your phone or using the Amazon voice assistant things. Uh, so I think it's, it's always going to be there in some, in some way. We have too much information at our fingertips for people, for people to not be searching for it. It's just how they're going to search and then how we then, you know, get in front of them through that media. Mm -hmm. Yeah, great insights. Uh, I have the question about one thing. For example, uh, uh, if we, uh, we need to analyze all our discussion, uh, uh, but we have limited resources, what only one thing can you do if you uh, have no other options, but it's a must-have? Um. <clears throat> Work with someone that knows what they're doing. If you, mm -hmm. if you want to, well, if you put all your eggs in one basket, like social media, that's not a good plan. Like a stock portfolio, you want to diversify, right? So I want to make sure anyone listening, if you're not putting any stock in your website to do so, to start thinking about whether or not your website is optimized. So that can be another option. So if Facebook goes poof or Instagram goes down for a day, which Instagram has gone down for a few hours many times. You aren't screwed. Like, how are you going to get customers? How are you going to get in front of people? So that's why I always say everyone I've talked to should have started SEO and thinking about their website two days ago or yesterday. Um, so finding someone that knows what they're doing, if you do not, and knowing that investing now is going to pay dividends even three years from now. Um so, but working with someone who knows what they're doing, because if you try to do it yourself, you're likely just going to waste time and money. Even if you just find like I coach too, like I do coaching and training, even if you want to do it yourself, work with someone like me who can teach you, like I could take what's in my head and put it in yours. So then you can continue doing it yourself for years to come, but don't do it just to do it, do it right. Or you're just wasting your time. Mm -hmm. Yeah, uh, I have the question about how to differentiate yourself from uh, others, you know, because uh, I see when the masters rewrite existing content, they check out the top 10 results, 
create the same stuff. Uh, uh, even some tools can show 100% uniqueness, but it's the same, you know, nothing special. Uh, and uh, I remember one discussion with uh, Jim Edwards. Uh, he worked 10 years in Business Insider. Uh, before, uh, when they sold the company like $500 million a lot. And yeah, right now uh, this company has uh, uh, thousand employees uh, around the world. But he told me uh, their strategy was to create content uh, not boring. Uh, in boring niche. Uh, uh, that means uh, in boring niche, people uh, are looking for content, but it's not boring. It's interesting to read. Can you tell how to differentiate yourself from others and create content that people want to consume until then? Because uh, bounce rate is high today and most people don't read. They just open, check out the first paragraph and leave it. Uh, tell from your experience how retain them and create not boring content. Yeah, I think... First and foremost, it comes back to what we've said now a couple times is knowing who you're writing for and speaking directly to them um, and bringing in that piece of connection, like not being afraid to share maybe more personally or more openly, whether it's, you know, sharing something about how that your company has experienced, you know, opening with something that is less of like the data says this and more like, you know, we've been here before we've experienced this before. And like a little bit of a story, I think there's our modern consumer is leaning more and more toward storytelling and wanting to have that connection um, and be sort of like brought into the conversation. And so I think if you can connect with them on that level, that it's going to resonate deeper, especially if you're really writing something that, you know, like it's based on, for example, like qualitative data from your customers like what is your exact customer struggling with what are exact words that they're using and then creating content around that rather than like general you know generalized assumptions of your audience yeah yeah love it jessica it's it's a big pleasure to get all your uh, replies to these questions uh, tell our audience how they can reach out to you learn more about you follow you yeah i'm on you can just search jessica thiefel's anywhere. I'm the only Jessica Thiefels in the entire world. So you will only find me if you search my name. Um, but I spend most of my time on Instagram and I'm also on LinkedIn a bit, picking up more over there and starting to pick up again on Twitter because uh, I took a little bit of a pause. And then just jessicathiefels.com, you can learn all about what I'm doing, what I'm up to. Um, and on my website, you can find my two podcasts as well. I have a podcast that I just started called Thrive Through Marketing. And then I have a podcast that's um, been around for about two years now called Mindset Reset Radio. Nice, nice. Guys, you need to follow Jessica. You can find all these links in the description below. Listen us on Apple, Google, Spotify. Thanks again for your time. A big pleasure. Welcome back anytime, you know, to share more value. Guys, follow Jessica. Listen to her podcast because you can see a lot of valuable insights. Okay, guys. Love you. See you. Thanks for listening to this entire podcast. Please rank your experience in Apple, Spotify, Google, or any other platforms that you may use. Also, please share your ranking mark on chat at seotools.tv to get a special gift. We'll see you soon on other valuable audio podcasts.